0: Welcome to the Chrisman Commentary, Daily Mortgage News Podcast. I'm your host, Robbie Chrisman. Topics on today's episode include industry chatter, my interview with Will Robinson, CEO of InCapture on how mortgage banking professionals can use machine learning to lower overhead costs and increase team capacity, multifamily origination, and a publicly hawkish Fed. I'd like to thank today's podcast sponsor, Richie May. Richie May is a recognized leader in providing specialized advisory, audit, tax, technology, and other services in the mortgage industry. The firm has consistently been recognized as one of the fastest-growing firms in the country and has been named to the Housing Wire Tech 100 in Mortgage, Accounting Today Firms to Watch, and the fastest-growing firms. The firm has also received multiple awards for excellence in firm culture from inside public accounting. To experience how Richie May can help you transform your mortgage business, visit richiemay.com. about some chatter out there. The aging mortgage banker workforce continues to be a concern around the nation, but there are certainly lenders and vendors attempting to bring in new blood. The FTC's $62 million fine of open doors advertising policies raised eyebrows. We also had the news of Two Harbors Investment Corp., Matrix Financial Services Corporation, entering into a definitive stock purchase agreement to acquire Roundpoint Mortgage Servicing, Corporation from Freedom Mortgage Corporation. People are also talking about the Equifax alleged miscalculating of consumers' credit scores, but could they have resulted in both worse and better mortgage pricing? There is a fair amount of discussion about the difficulty of the deals that are out there, and how various derivations of prequal, qual pre-approval, and to-be-determined programs can help. Some lenders are here to learn about lock-and-shop programs that are being offered, Of course, these programs have a cost, usually credited back when the loan funds, and anything set up should be with the help of your compliance department. For today's interview, I wanted to welcome onto the show Will Robinson, CEO at InCapture. He helps banks like Wells Fargo, Frost Bank, and Truist save time and money by processing large amounts of tangible data. It may seem futuristic, but mortgage banking professionals can become citizen developers with simple tools, and in doing so, spend more time with borrowers, reduce loan times, automate error identification and resolution, and eliminate compliance risk. Phrase out there used by Encapture called citizen developers, and how you can help mortgage banking professionals become citizen developers with simple tools. Can you explain that concept to me a little bit?
1: Sure. The concept of a citizen developer is... A business user, someone who is familiar with their own workflow, uh, their own documents, the data they need, uh, and is using technology themselves to build automation and to derive benefit from the, the technology they're using versus having to rely on a more traditional technical developer that has technical expertise where the the developers given requirements and they go write custom code to enable the software to work so really we're empowering the users of the platform who are maybe non-technical or don't have a lot of software development experience to be able to uh, configure the platform to achieve their business needs
0: and one question that i kind of baffles my mind and I, I end up asking a lot of people in this industry and and Maybe, maybe today will be the first time I get a satisfactory answer here. With all this, <laughs> all this technology and automation, how has the cost to originate alone continued to increase? You would think that it would actually uh, have gone down and, and things would have become a lot more efficient over the last several years with increased digitization and digitalization and uh, tech stacks playing more nicely with each other than they did uh, previously.
1: Yeah, that's a great question, Robbie. In fact, I had this conversation last week with a with a customer of ours, a large lender uh, on the East Coast, and they they asked the same question. I I guess if if I'm being truly honest and humble, there's there's probably the, the short answer is I don't know, but but I can give you a few a few thoughts here. One, there's not so there's a lot of tech providers that are claiming benefit of automation and greater efficiency who don't do their homework with their customer upfront or with the lender upfront to say, okay, how are we going to quantify the impact of this? Um, and uh, a lot of times there's a lot of kind of big promises and big stats thrown around, but when you get into the actual implementation of the software in the ground, a, the software doesn't perform as well as it was promised. um, or B, and this is this is something we candidly, you know, have to work with our, our clients. Is there there typically is some process change that's required uh, to allow the technology to have the full impact that that you know we talk about? And um, some lenders are. It's hard. It's hard to change. Right. It's hard for people to change. And so um, I think th- those who go in who are willing to change process alongside technology. Get the most benefit. Um, I think we've seen lenders who try to just shove us into their existing processes, even though we may say, "Hey, here are four or five different ways we can be more efficient, or we can eliminate steps." And they say, "No, we don't really want to take this to our team. You know, they 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 have change fatigue. You know, it's a well-oiled machine. So just fit your stuff in." But yet they expect some big lift. I think that's where it, it falls short. So I, I think it's a. I think it's some broken promises. I think it's not. Articulating before the project even starts, what does success mean? And then I think there's a willingness to, on the lender side, to say, "Hey, we're willing to change process." And candidly, I'll give you another example, Robbie. This happened. Um, this happened three months ago. We were talking to a uh, the CFO of a large lender, and he said, "Hey, you know, we talked about all this ROI, and we talked about this efficiency." And these you know time savings um, but i you know i haven't seen it i'm not seeing it in the team and we dug in and um this is just the human side of life but there were there were folks that were expected to be reallocated to other tasks um, as part of our roi calculation that just were never reallocated and their manager felt uncomfortable saying hey i'm going to move these people away or i don't want to i don't want to give give them up out of my control um, and so uh, the manager just kept these employees uh, as part of their team even though they they weren't even necessary I mean and we, again we dug in we got it hey they're not necessary we don't have to be we don't have to have them here anymore so there's a lot of factors there um, those are just a few examples of what I've seen in our world where where you know and, and again we try to do a really good job of, of, of setting expectations up front of what it means to really get the efficiency but there's the um, there's broken promises on the tech side there's not, not having a clear business case to find. I and mean, candidly, there's just the human side of, of change that,
0: that can be hard. That's a very good answer. Where do you see the evolution of efficiencies in the loan origination process moving from here? What does what the future look like in your mind?
1: There's a huge emphasis right now on artificial intelligence and machine learning to take over various aspects of that origination process. And so that's, you know, candidly, that's where we play. We're a machine learning platform that is focused on processing incoming documents so that any of the manual, um, you know, data entry or stare and compare or uh, collecting the right documents from the borrower or other third parties, we really try to streamline that. Uh, I won't say eliminate it because it still has to happen, but we just have a machine doing it. um, and with a little bit of human help versus, you know, a bunch of people doing it. So, um, machine learning is huge. It's, um, I I would break it up into various components there. There's machine learning like us, which is what I would call, um, very, I call it pragmatic machine learning, which is like, Hey, we're trying to solve for discrete tasks that have to be done. Um, Versus call it decisioning, machine learning, um, or, or other types where it's like, hey, we're trying to really um, take the, the like the underwriting decision out of out of the human brain and put it into the system brain. And so there's there's kind of levels of, of machine learning that I think are being applied around automation, and there's different comfort levels with that. Uh, and so I think you're going to continue to see a lot of folks really lean into to machine learning as a way to really create a a really um, fixed cost structure that can ride through the cycles of the mortgage industry um, and allow allow lenders not to have to staff up staff down staff up staff down um, especially in this in this labor market where it's really hard to find um, good folks
0: yeah let's talk about machine learning for a second here i think when people think about machine learning they think about something like ibm's watson but can you kind of take us inside the the sausage factory when it comes to mortgage banking and machine learning? What's what's truly going on there?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. We I kind of laugh about that because you know I'll talk to friends or I'll talk to people in this industry and they think, oh, machine learning can cure cancer or it, uh, you know, it's here to solve all the world's major food problems or supply chain problems. And those are great. Like IBM has a great marketing team and they have a really big budget. Uh, when it goes down when it gets down to it um that's it's a that's a lot of smoke and mirrors i would say just to be blunt uh, machine learning is i guess for and, and in the mortgage industry for how we do it I'll, I'll speak to our our machine learning um we have the ability to to train a system to look for patterns and documents so that the system can identify what type of document it's looking at just like a human would right you have a brand new um, maybe loan processor or loan admin that's, that's brand new on their job, never been part of the industry. What do you do? You sit down with a big loan file and you walk them through here, all the documents that we collect. This is why we need them. And this is how you can recognize them. And our, our human brains do that. It's not a super complicated exercise, um, but we, we start to recognize patterns in the documents, either by the title or certain language we see, or even the layout uh, that we as humans use to, to detect certain document types and identify the data. And so we, we have a system that does the same thing. Um, it's very, I, I, I keep calling it pragmatic AI. Uh, it's very practical. Our system is not going to cure cancer. Uh, it's not going to serve the world's problems, but it can identify documents and it can extract the data out of there that that uh, lenders need to make an underwriting decision. So that's kind of the simplest way I would, I would put it. Um, and, you know, we, there's, there's a few different ways of doing machine learning these days. There's, uh, what we call supervised and unsupervised machine learning. Uh, we fall in the camp of supervised machine learning being the right approach for the mortgage industry. Uh, the difference is, is is there a human involved in training the system? So in a supervised machine learning approach like ours, we will feed documents into the system to train the system, to build a model to say, okay, here are the different patterns that I'm going to use as a system to identify the documents. We then have people come in and they can help influence the system. They can, um enhance give extra hints that maybe the system didn't recognize uh they can maybe identify a pattern that the system identified that a human would say hey you know what that's probably that pattern's going to get the system into trouble later so we can maybe downplay the um uh, the priority of that of that specific algorithm and we like to have people regularly review and tune these models um so that they get better over time the the unsupervised process is where you just feed the system typically hundreds or thousands of samples and the system figures out on its own how to direct you know identify patterns but but the human can't really go influence that it's a bit of a black box and a lot of the advanced kind of machine learning stuff coming out today is more of the unsupervised and it has some really interesting promise but it's not ready for prime time in a real mortgage operation yet and so um we've you know Again, I probably just nerded out way too much there on the machine learning the <laughs> sausage is made, but that's that's really that's where we sit. We're a supervised machine learning platform. We we, um, we that's been validated over and over. Uh, some of the biggest, most sophisticated lenders out there that we work with who have their own AI teams also sit in the supervised machine learning camp because it's way easier to set it up. It's way easier to get it highly accurate, and candidly, it's way easier to manage going forward and audit. Um, um, from a, from a data perspective,
0: no, I think I think that was great to hear. I want to close with a simple but important question: Can you explain the importance of good, clean, accurate, reliable data to mortgage companies?
1: Everything rolls downhill. That's my short answer. So we really focus on as data comes into your. Organization, right? The, the loan application you're collecting initial documents from the borrower. The way that that data gets input into a loan origination system, or the way that docs are generated, um, has a huge impact downstream. And and downstream, I mean, in a pre-close or post-close audit situation, where you have you have typically people or like us a system reviewing the documents, reviewing the data again in a compliance situation way downstream where there's, there's humble reporting going on, on a regular basis. The data that gets put in at the top of the funnel has a huge impact on how efficient and fast those teams can work and how much confidence they have. And what we typically see is you will get brought into a lender by the compliance department and the compliance department sit there saying, hey, I'm having to review loan files and I'm reviewing the entire loan file because I don't trust that it was put together properly upstream from me. And I have a big team and a big staff. So in capture, can you guys solve this for me? Can you you know, use your machine learning and solve it so I can be a lot more efficient on my compliance team? And then we asked a simple question. Why don't we go talk to your underwriting team or your origination team? And let's start there, because if we can solve the problem there around data integrity and uh, document integrity, then when it comes to you, you guys will be able to trust that. That the data is clean it's accurate and you guys don't need to spend all this time reviewing stuff so short answer is you know it all rolls downhill long answer uh there's a lot of different people that need access to that data through the process and the cleaner it is earlier uh, the better it works for everybody
0: well said well i very much enjoyed having you on today thanks for making the time to talk to me
1: absolutely robbie enjoyed it look forward to visiting again
0: Multifamily growth continued to beat expectations through the first half of 2022 after coming off a record-breaking year in 2021, but Freddie Mac projects the pace of growth will begin to moderate through the remainder of 2022. A contraction in multifamily origination volume to $440 to $450 billion is expected, down 8% to 10% from the peak seen in 2021, driven by macroeconomic headwinds including inflation and rising treasury rates. Every market Freddie Mac tracks is projected to experience gross income gains. The Florida and Southwest markets are generally expected to outperform the nation, while the smaller markets in the Midwest and a few gateway markets are generally expected to be among the comparatively weaker performers. Overall, gross income growth in 2022 is forecasted to be around 6.8%, and vacancy rates are expected to remain flat at 4.8%. Multifamilies Outlook and additional related materials are available online. We've received a lot of hawkish Fed talk this week, and Fed officials were out in full force again yesterday, pledging to continue the aggressive fight against inflation. St. Louis Fed President Bullard, who has been one of the most hawkish Federal Open Market Committee voters, said that he expects a Fed fund's rate range between 3.75% and 4% by the end of the year, even if that risks a recession. Fed speakers have pushed back against forward pricing in the money market curves. Economic data came in better than expected yesterday, with both factory orders for June and ISM non-manufacturing PMI for July beating estimates. Today's economic calendar is already underway with the Bank of England's latest monetary policy decision. A 50 basis point hike to 1.75% was expected, and another hike is expected in September. Kicking off the U.S. calendar was layoffs from Challenger for July, followed by weekly jobless claims which came in down 5000 to 260000 with continuing claims up to $1.416 million, and the June trade deficit, which came in at $79.6 billion, lower than expected. Later this morning brings Freddie Mac's primary mortgage market survey and remarks from Cleveland Fed President Mester. The desk will purchase up to $497 million of January 2 4% through 5% mortgage-backed securities from early payoffs, and we begin the day with agency MBS prices better by an eighth, and the 10-year yielding 2.67 after closing yesterday at 2.75%, On more recession thoughts. Let's wrap up with a joke and some housekeeping. Phil felt employees might be getting a little complacent. He thought a shakeup was in order and decided it was time to rid the company of any slackers. So he went out into the shop and noticed a guy leaning against a wall doing nothing. There were workmen everywhere and he wanted them to know that he meant business. He asked the guy, how much money do you make in a week? A little surprised, the young man looked at him and said, I make $400 a week. Why? Phil walked out to the street, found a nearby ATM, made a withdrawal, came back in two minutes, and handed the guy 1600 in cash and said, here's four weeks' pay. Now get out and don't come back. Phil watched the guy leave and felt pretty good about himself. He looked around the room and asked, Does anyone want to tell me what that goof-off did here? From across the room, a voice said, Pizza delivery guy from Domino's. <laughs> to stay competitive in this market lenders need to find efficiencies and understand their operations in a much deeper way richie may's consulting business intelligence and automation services are designed by mortgage experts to help you continue to drive growth and increase profitability visit richiemay.com advisory to learn more about how you can differentiate your business or set up a meeting with one of richie may's experts